Christmas is a time for giving. And this year, as fans of motorsport, we ask you to give your support to those who need it most. Recent events have left hundreds of young people orphaned. Bright young things left homeless and destitute. The Honda F1 team cruelly left on the streets. And not the streets of Monaco either, just some cold, wet streets in the Midlands. If you have one pound and £300 million, please give generously. Remember, an F1 team is for life, not just for Christmas. And that goes for you too, Renault and Toyota. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, specifically Gareth Jones on Speed on location at the Science Museum with Zog. How are you doing Zog? Not bad, thanks. We should explain what this exhibition is that we've come here to see that we're going to share with you guys. Zog, can you tell them where it is? Well, it's, uh, it's called Japan Car. It's just opened here at the Science Museum and it's essentially about Japanese design and the small car and some of its roots. And in a week when Honda announced that they're pulling out of Formula One, we figured we'd redress the balance and come and see how the Japanese motor industry looks. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring some, some good news from the Japanese motor industry. Yeah. The first part of the exhibition is very interesting. A black room, a very quiet black room, and Zog and I are the only people in here, with some bonsai trees standing around and some shapes of... Well, they're kind of car-like shapes. They're, they're sort of car-like jelly moulds or sort of jelly mould-like... Models. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. loaf-of-bread-sized models of cars. Yes. Yeah. Representing some of the Japanese car designs that we're going to see in this exhibition. So rather than stand around enjoying the stillness and the oneness and the zen the of zen bonsai... Like calm, absolutely. Yeah. Let's go and enjoy some cars. OK. Aha. Here's some Japanese cars, and appropriately enough, they're all absolutely white, which is Japan's official racing colour, and I believe more white cars are sold in Japan than any other colour. I think in Britain it's blue, but it's probably silver these days. And the first car in the exhibition, I'm in a room I should explain, with six cars in a row, three either side, they're all white, the walls are mostly white. It's a bit like something Yoko Ono might have come up with. First car on the right, the first one you see, is the new Toyota IQ, which I haven't seen in the flesh yet. And I suppose this could be described as the state of the art of the Japanese motor industry. The IQ is cute. They call it a 3 plus 1, so it is a four-seater, but only just... I mean, if I had to drive a micro car, and I probably will be soon, I think the IQ would do it. But Japan's got a good history of very small cars, so they're ideally placed to make something like the IQ. It's very broad, by the way, looking at it. It's, I'd say it's almost wider than it is long. Parked alongside it is the Daihatsu Tanto. And I don't know if you know this car, but it's a very narrow, I think what they call the K car in Japan. It's a people mover, a bit like the Wagon R. You know the Suzuki Wagon R? Big wide opening doors, plenty of headroom, and again explains the commitment to making things small in Japan. And this is actually something the Japanese say that only the Japanese would do, because it's a Zen thing. It, there's a Zen principle that says if an object is smaller than the object it replaces and does an equally good job, it is quantifiably better because it uses up less resources. Simple, isn't it? 
there's a blurb about Japan's motor industry on the wall explaining that mini vehicles need to fit within a length restriction of 3.4 metres, a width of 1.48 metres and a height of 2 metres to have an engine no larger than 660cc. I know, I used to have a Suzuki Cappuccino which had a 660cc three-cylinder turbo engine and it was great. So the Tanto is nice. Next two cars, we've got the Nissan Cube, which the Mark II version of the Cube is coming to Europe before too long, to Britain. Uh, it's the advantage of Japan being right-hand drivers. We can get Japanese car before the rest of mainland Europe. And again, the Cube is a lot smaller than I imagined it to be, bigger than the Tanto or wider than the Tanto, similar in length. And it really is a Cube and a good-looking one at that. Again, quite a Zen principle, I think, being a cube and then until we get the spherical car and in fact I think we are going to see a spherical car at this exhibition a bit later on what does it say about the cube speed ah, we like that word speed is certainly not an impression one would get from this cubic form perhaps the DNA of this vehicle goes way back to an ox cart a mode of transportation in ancient Japan the moving living room they say yeah I can see that I can see that and now alongside it and the Suzuki Jimny, one of the very best off-road performers. Well, I think Land Rover and Jeep might have something to say about that, but he's probably one of the most widespread off-roaders around the world. Wherever you go in the world, you see Suzukis. And in developing countries where roads aren't as paved as they are elsewhere, this is really the car to have. And it looks rather elegant in white. The Suzuki Jimny. Ah! A Daihatsu Kopen. Now, if you know your cars, you won't need me to explain. And as you're listening to the show, I won't need to tell you that it's very much like the Suzuki Cappuccino, except it's got a steel roof that folds away, and it's tiny, and they've completely disassembled it. How many parts, Zog, does it say? It doesn't. I'm guessing a couple of thousand, isn't it? It's yeah. got to be. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see it laid out like this, actually. What we've got is the body shell mounted up at an angle of about 30 degrees. The interior, which is sort of one piece of like the floor pan with the seats in it and the dashboard and then all the other bits of equipment the lights the seat belts the mirrors the aerial the wipers is that the anti-roll bar perhaps i don't know what no that's part of the um roof folding mechanism isn't it uh, pro- yeah looks like it uh, good it, game it, to play what it, is it, the part look, well it's either roof folding or it's to do with boot remote opening I reckon ah. um, it's, it's got a motor got on it of, yeah it's got a motor and the linkage yeah we should say that the components that it's broken down to aren't always the last nut and bolt you know it's the last nut and bolt in some cases and, you know we've got individual valve springs individual valves but then you've got you know a whole inertia reel seatbelt unit a whole headlight unit an electric window unit down there that would fit inside the door that they would raise and lower the I wonder how long it would take you and me to, to put, put this together in. yeah well okay I, I reckon we could do it in I don't know, a long weekend it's an open question how many bits would be left over at the end and you know whether you'd really want to drive the result I think we'll leave the art of putting the coping together to the people at Daihatsu I think so actually we perceive the car as an extension of our own body there's more than just cars at this exhibition. You were just hearing Ken Mogi, who's a Japanese brain scientist, explaining the role of the brain and its interaction with the body and how that affects 
Japanese design. I think I've summarised that. I may be wrong. Well, we've kind of dived into the middle of his uh, video presentation, but uh, one of the key things he's saying is that when you use a tool, and a car is a tool, the tool becomes an extension of your body, and so you guard the car as an extension of yourself, which, apart from whatever it might be saying in this context about Japanese design, obviously uh, reflects on a lot of things like, like road rage and a lot of the kind of negative behaviours that people display on the road. Good point, that it's not necessarily the roads that generate those behaviours of the people, it's the inherent behaviour of the people being amplified by the vehicle that they're in, and that tool. And a complex interreaction of environment and our programming, our cultural conditioning, all kinds of things. Good exhibition. We came in thinking about cars, now we're talking about psychology. Very good, <laughs> very good. Now then, the, f- the first car in the exhibition which isn't actually white is a Honda FCX Clarity a fuel cell car. This is the world's first, do we call it production, fuel cell car, which is leased in America these days. And just from the point of view of what it looks like, well, it's a very deep maroon colour, so it really does stand out in this almost totally white environment. There are a couple of other things in here in terms of colour in the room, uh, and that is sort of cardboard brown. The barriers which separate the white areas in which the cars sit from the public are made out of sort of giant toilet rolls, I suppose they are, cardboard tubes mounted on tripods made of giant wooden chopsticks, Japanese chopsticks with pointy ends. So it looks a bit like the inside of the store Muji. If you've ever been to the Japanese store Muji, apparently one of the people who set up that store was instrumental in setting up this exhibition. That's perhaps why it looks like a Muji. But here's the FCX Clarity. Yeah, handsome. They've stuck with the optimum shape, they say, for aerodynamics, that kind of high tail that you see on the Prius these days, and not an unattractive car at all. And actually, in this deep, dark colour, it has a look of kind of limousine-ness about it. Do you know? It's actually quite upmarket. You can't buy it. You can only lease the car. Let's see, what will it do? Maximum speed, 180 kilometres per hour, and will travel 620 kilometres on a single tank of hydrogen providing you can find somewhere to recharge but with 620 kilometres you can probably get back to the nearest one if you plan your journey very nice the fuel cell of course a Welsh invention I'll say that again a Welsh invention it generates electricity through a reaction between hydrogen and oxygen which it gets from the atmosphere I would imagine the electricity generated is used to power the car an electric motor And apparently the hydrogen tank in the FCX Clarity can be filled at a hydrogen filling station in about four minutes. Which is probably a lot quicker than the time it takes to fill up my Toyota Sora with petrol. Car of the Year. The Oscars. BBC Sports Personality of the Year. McDonald's Employee of the Month. Now, get ready for the big one. The big one. The Gareth Jones on Speed Awards 2008. The only podcast-based motoring awards where not only do you pick the winners, but you choose the category too. So, got any suggestions? Cigarette lighter of the year. Motorsport disappointment of the year. Best use of the colour yellow in an interior trim. Send your nominations and category suggestions to awards at garethjones.tv. The Gareth Jones on Speed Awards 2008. 
Gareth Jones on speed, more innovative than the Shanghai Automotive Corporation and a lot less Chinese. Gareth Jones on speed at the Japan Car Exhibition at London Science Museum. Inscrutable. Zog's messing with a display here. Perhaps you can explain what you're doing, Zog. I'm putting little squares of plastic underneath a camera, and it goes like that. Yeah. goes bling, and there we go again. Uh, and then it shows me which part of the big photograph that little square came from. And it's done it so far with 100% success. Yeah, everyone I've put under there has worked. And then above that, we've got a little video display that is demonstrating how the same kind of image recognition technology is picking out of a real-time video feed, how it is recognising in that video image uh, road signs. So we've got a forward view from a driving car, driving through traffic, driving through city streets, and you know, within sort of a second or two of each road sign coming into view, whether it's a speed limit sign, 40 there, or a, a watch out for pedestrians crossing sign that we just saw there, or a no parking or a no U-turn, these signs are being recognised by the system within a second or two, which is very, very impressive. I, I guess there's a whole other problem if you're going to use this kind of technology about how you might safely and sensibly integrate that with a vehicle's control systems, the most important one being the driver, but the fact that you can do that recognition has got to be a good thing. It's interesting that the Japanese are looking at this kind of technology. I remember being in Japan many, many, many years ago, probably 10 years ago or more, and everybody had sat-nav even then Mm. and I remember thinking that that was extraordinary but here we are in Britain 10 years later now pretty much everybody has sat now here pretty pretty standard and if this is the way that information technology in cars is going in Japan in the next couple of years expect it over here in the next five or ten I would imagine Mm. I mean my concern about this kind of technology and and it does actually reflect back on the the sat nav thing is that whilst it's potentially clearly really useful for the car to know that you shouldn't be doing more than 60 miles an hour or that you shouldn't be doing a U-turn there that may be very very valuable it's no good if the driver no longer thinks it's their responsibility and with navigation you now see that people end up in ridiculous places where they would never have ended up because they're trusting the information that the screen is giving them even if a bit of common sense would tell them that actually they probably shouldn't be going all that way to Newcastle when actually it's you know Newcastle under Lyme rather than Newcastle on time. So drivers perhaps will need retraining in the future to understand how to use this kind of technology, perhaps a similar kind of logic that applies to pilots who have to temper and interpret the information that their instruments are giving them and make judgments based on that rather than trust it implicitly. Yeah, yeah, good example. Although the thing is that relatively few people maintain professional status as pilots because relatively few people are really prepared to kind of to deal with that level of responsibility and very high level of information processing and considerable ability to deal with a lot of critical information sometimes very quickly that relates to safety and drivers are to put it crudely we we work at a much dumber level you know we, we need things to be simpler This next gallery seems to be looking at alternative fuels and Japanese cars of the future. Parked next to the Clarity is the Mitsubishi 
Miev, or the iMiev in this case, which is an electric version of the Miev. Now, I think it's called the Mitsubishi iCar in this country. I believe mid-engined and a very attractive little car. I don't know if you've seen the images of Gordon Murray's new city car. Well, I think the basic premise of that shape is already with us in this car. Now then, let's see. It says, we finally have an electric car ideal for ordinary driving. That much is true. The key technology behind it was the battery system. We can thank mobile phones for getting that right. The iMiev can be easily charged from a domestic power supply, although try getting it into your living room to plug it into the wall. Seven hours of charging from a 200-volt mains connection gives it a range of about 160 kilometres. Oh, that's plenty for everyday use, as they say. And this is the typical city car of the future. Before we came in here, I was explaining to Zog how excited I was about the prospect of an electric Mini, because that would do me great for all the little shuttle journeys I have to do in my neighbourhood with my children these days. But the trouble is, that car is only a two-seater, whereas this, the iMiev, would do it. It's a very generous four-seater. And parked next to it is a plug-in HV. So it's an electric Prius, by the looks of things, Zog. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Plug in HV. What does HV stand for then? I wonder. Hybrid vehicle. HV. And it's got nice design down the side. It's a sort of a slight relief. The car's completely white, but it's got this. Different shades of white. Different shades of white pattern, almost like a floral pattern down the side. Lotus leaves, perhaps. I don't know. Which is quite nice, actually. Uh, Looks like a shadow cast on it, doesn't it? It's kind of Tokyo interpretation of Laura Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) Laura Ashley. Yes. The Prius, it's still looking all right, isn't it? It doesn't look old-fashioned yet, and sometimes cars of the future do look old-fashioned very quickly, don't they? There's something in shape of the Prius, the Clarity, and the Insight. There's something that happens at the back of the car that is particularly marked with the Insight. The only way I can put it is it's straight out of Logan's Rum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You always think when you're a kid that sort of you know, cars that come out of sci-fi movies, they've got to be great. Yes, I'll have one of those. I'll have, I'll have you know, that speeder out of Star Wars, whatever. You know, you know, any cars that are sci-fi, they're going to be great. But somehow, not the cars that have Logan's run. And the way that the back of the insight goes, and it's partly to do with the way that the wheel is fared in, Logan's run, what can I say? Yeah, I mean, the reasoning for the shape of these cars is that you know their build has been super efficient and the most efficient shape that you can have for a car in terms of aerodynamics is a cam back and so you have cars which are allegedly very efficient aerodynamically have this distinct teardrop shape but with a bluff rear end a cam back is it cam ca- back yeah, yeah the, the bread van rear end if you want to go this sort of the Ferrari the more reference way it's the enclosed rear wheel on the back of the inside that somehow makes it look so odd I think it would get away with it if it wasn't for that yeah I agree the only car I think I've ever seen to get away with a slightly fared rear wheel and look great Citroen SM I'll give you that one Although still with the insight, having said that it's a little bit too much out of Logan's run, you know, never thought it was a great looking car. If Jenny Agatha was an optional extra, I would have one. <laughs> Me too. Did I tell you how I met Jenny Agatha once? Yeah. Terrible breath. Really? Yeah. Oh, so cute though. But, oh, very cute. Very cute. 
Talking of cute, look at this. This is the Toyota iReal, which I think Richard Hammond may have driven in, he on did, top yeah. gear. Yes, yes, he was scooting around and having a lot of fun by the looks of it. Is it a car, though? I'm not sure. This looks rather like something my mate who had a stroke recently drives around in, somewhere between a, a scooter and a wheelchair, not a car in the conventional sense. Although it does also look like it does have a touch of the robot overlord that will take over the world in about 50 years time once they all get networks and really figure out how the world works you know what I mean yeah. I, I know you've seen um, the movie Wally. 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 fantastic the pods that the people drive around in in that spacecraft and yes. they lose the use of their muscles yes this absolutely is, is in that territory yeah for sure I'm not sure that this is a future I want. I think for journeys where I could walk, I would walk. If I want to go in a big, fast journey, I want to go in a car. If I'm travelling quickly, I want protection. I don't want to be sitting in a chair. I know what you mean, and I, I sort of, to some extent, feel the same way, but there's another thing perhaps going on here, and I haven't seen it mentioned in much in any of the text of the exhibition yet, but one of the things that seems to be quite a strong thing in, in Japanese product design and Japanese culture is caring for older people, for technology that helps you deal with old age. And that's increasingly a big thing in, in Japan, where more so than in a lot of other countries, that they have a, an ageing and relatively wealthy population that can pay for a lot of robot help. And this kind of personal transport solution quite apart from what they're saying about how it can be part of an integrated city transport solution in which each node, each vehicle is aware of not just maybe where you want to go but what is happening with other traffic in the city. Quite apart from it being uh, like maybe a semi-intelligent form of transport it's also something that makes it an awful lot easier to get around when your legs aren't working so well and when you're not such a fit active young man as, as you are now Gareth you know it's, it's, got, got, you know, it's a uh, good point because it is personal transport on the sort of personal uh, sort of wheelchair kind of sort of scale size rather than van kind of scale size and you know you know, I mentioned earlier on that only Japan would come up with a micro car because Zen says objects need to be smaller to be better perhaps only Japan would come up with a personal transport system that would really enhance the lives of older people because who is it Japanese people worship and revere their ancestors you know you have ancestors day in Japan and what's the next thing to your ancestors well your parents and your grandparents so it's an extension if you like of their belief system Western culture on the other hand worships youth essentially yeah that's right uh, so that's why we have cars like the Mini yeah yeah Zoganoya standing next to a car which we would never have owned in Britain but if you live in Japan it makes an awful lot of sense it's called the Toyota BB you explain the concepts of well first of all why don't you describe Gareth what it looks like from the outside and then I'll read out what it actually says on the blurb here okay from the outside it's um, another wide square van like Japanese subcompact car with maximum space in the rear and that's the important thing isn't it not for your shopping though well it is because you know from the outside you think oh it's another one of those slightly odd compact squarish Japanese market vehicles that we don't see over here but to quote from the, the blurb here this car is ideal for finding a quiet parking spot where you can look down at the city lights play some good music and enjoy a little romance for that scenario, there's no need for a car focused on drivability. 
Now, I think the key thing here is enjoy a little romance because they also make a point in talking about this car of emphasising how well the seats recline, how much comfortable space you have, quote, out of sight from outside. Now... It's a love mobile. It this is. is. It is. <laughs> this, this, this is a rolling love palace. And for very good <laughs> reason as well. Well, for very good reason. No, no, of course, um, you know, in-car loving is a great part of the automotive tradition. I think, you know, they, no one would deny that. We've so all done it. It'll fumble in the back seat, in the front seat, whatever. But this is the first production car that I'm aware of that actually incorporates into its design a little shagability, a little... <laughs> a little um, <laughs> well, Amer- Americans have been making or converting love vans, passion wagons, for years and years. By but putting the, a mattress in the ba- uh, yeah. on the back, yeah. But well, the wonderful honesty of the Japanese only will allow only the Japanese to market a car that's designed specifically for that reason, but also perhaps because a majority of young Japanese people still live with their parents because space is such a premium... The property so right. expensive in right. Japan that if you do want to go off and have a bit of a fumble the only place you can do it is in your car well yeah so why not have a car that's actually uh, designed for it good in, on your Toyota yeah well done it's a family car isn't it <laughs> future family. it's more of a pre-family car <laughs> Zog and I have been popped out of the other side of the exhibition now which came to a rapid halt after that BB which is a bit of a surprise I thought it was going to be a little bit bigger than it actually was there was a few things I was expecting to see which weren't there there was one thing in particular that I think we were both uh, looking forward to seeing the Nissan Pivo 2 concept car not a production vehicle but interesting little poddish city small concept car a bit like the outspan vehicle do you remember that yes (laughs) yeah 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 an orange with a wheel on every corner yeah, that would be how many, how many corners are there on an orange? <laughs> <laughs> Four wheels at ground level in a square arrangement with an orange plonked on top. Nicely said. That's kind of what it's like. But, but one of the interesting things about the Pivo is that as a concept car, one of the things that it seems to be focusing on is parking, difficulties of parking, and it's a vehicle that helps you park. That has a you know an automatic parking system, as I as I understand it. But but it wasn't there, so we didn't get to see it, and we didn't get to really form much of an opinion. Shame, really. I mean, two very good rooms with some very interesting cars laid out beautifully. If you want to see the exhibition, it is at the Science Museum. Check the Science Museum website to find opening times and when it's here till. If you like cars, I think you'll enjoy it, but could it have been a little bit bigger, ultimately? Yeah, it could have been a little bit bigger, and it's maybe an exhibition that you'll get slightly more out of if you're really not very familiar with, I guess, the kind of current generation of small Japanese vehicles because although it does get into some of the roots of some aspects of Japanese car designs and and some of the cultural underpinnings of Japanese attitudes to car design it's not really getting to things in a lot of depth you know it's not going super deep into things is what I'm saying but if you're a fan of cars as we are and you're thinking of coming to London to have a look at the wonderful science museum which is probably the greatest museum in the whole world in my opinion maybe with the exception of the Smithsonian which I quite like too uh, Museum of Modern Art in New York is pretty check the Science Museum website which will tell you how much it costs to get in and what time it's open till and when you can see the exhibition till That's just about it for this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed. Thanks to Andrew Marcus at the London Science Museum. Uh, Before I go, there's a few things I need to mention. 
Did you know that we've got a YouTube site? To find it, go to YouTube and search GJ on Speed. We'll be posting an exclusive piece of video from this year's Johnny Herbert Car Challenge there very soon. And we'll have a full report from that event in the next edition of the show. Also, we now have a Facebook fan site. So if you're on Facebook, simply search Gareth Jones on Speed and you can hang out with loads of other like-minded individuals. And let's face it, they're all going to be a bit bonkers. Coming up over the holiday season, Zog, Richard and I go drag racing in a Tesla Roadster. We report from the Race of Champions at Wembley and host the <clears throat> world's premier audio automotive honours in the On Speed Awards. So if you have any ridiculous suggestions for not only nominees, but you fancy inventing some of the categories too, and the dafter they are, the better, we'd love to hear from you. So send emails to onspeed at garethjones.tv. There's more information, of course, on the GarethJones.tv website. I'll be back with Zog and Richard and Nick Mason from Pink Floyd on December the 20th for the next edition of Gareth Jones on Speed. See you then. Ta-ra. By then, I hope my cold will be better. Get the lyrics, picture and more information from www.garethjones.tv or subscribe for free at the iTunes store. Garrett Jones on speed is made by Wiz Bank.